Well, hey, everybody. Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beach show. Very pleased tonight to bring on quite a football expert. In fact, the perfect football expert to talk about what's happening with Big 12 teams, Oklahoma and Texas. Well, I guess technically there's still Big 12 teams. Lifelong Oklahoman, columnist for the Oklahoman, Mr. Barry Trammell. Barry, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You bet, Mike. Exciting times. No doubt about it. Um, I didn't see this one coming, man. And I'm embarrassed to say that a lot of times we like to think that we can anticipate college football's next move. Certainly, it's been a busy offseason between the NIL, uh, one-time transfers, talk of expanded playoffs. I didn't see this one coming. Barry, I got to ask you, you live right there in that Oklahoma City, Norman area. Did you anticipate this or see this coming? Nope, I didn't. And, you know, I should have. There were some tea leaves looking back, but I didn't see it coming. Uh, I knew, you know, we were coming up on the end of the uh, Big 12 television contract, 24-25 season. So it was getting to the time where, you know, some decisions were having to be made. But things were going great for Oklahoma. The, uh, the athletic department is, uh, this is sort of the golden age. Football teams riding high, made four of the last six playoffs. Six straight Big 12 titles. Uh, the other sports, you know, national champions in softball uh, three or four times in the last decade. The gymnastics team is a national power. You know, the basketball team has its moments. Been to the Final Four in 16 and uh, you know won an NCAA tournament game last year. So these, these are great times for Oklahoma, and they're making a lot of money. But, uh, but some of the events of the last year with the Supreme Court ruling – uh, some television results, the SPN contract with uh, the SEC being one of them, then Fox and ESPN telling the, uh, the Big 12 they did not want to uh, open early negotiations for, for the Big 12's television contract, set off alarms, I think, in Norman and Austin. Uh, some of the wheels were already rolling, and, and we are where we are. No doubt. We're talking with Barry Trammell. He's a columnist with the Oklahoma and certainly one of the top uh, columnists in the nation, a guy I've got a lot of respect for. Every time I covered the College World Series, I couldn't wait to get the newspaper and read what Barry wrote. And certainly his writings on college football are top of the line. He's been at the front of the story. A lot of his observations you can catch online. Uh, you're going to want to check him out. Barry, I got to ask you, though, uh, does Oklahoma make this move? You, you just pointed out all the momentum and all the good things. And I'll be honest. I think you get a little bit of a free pass into the college football playoff if you're Oklahoma playing in a downtrodden Big 12, much like Clemson in the ACC, Ohio State in the Big 10. Does Oklahoma make this move if Texas doesn't? Uh, no, I doubt it. I think they probably weren't going to go without Texas. Um, just from a partnership standpoint, uh, just from having um, some you know, friendly face, you know, OU and Texas are big rivals on the football field, 100-year war, really. But uh, but they both have new precedents. Uh, they've sort of had a collaboration here in the last year. Um, I think there's a lot of respect. And, you know, it, 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 these are two schools that have their whole lives been the top dog of whatever league they're in. Southwest Conference, Big 8, and then together in the Big 12, and they've really sort of been able to, to uh, ramrod a conference 
um, with you know with uh, whatever kind of policies they want to try to push through. Uh, that turned off some people, turned off A and M, turned off Nebraska, uh, and uh, they know it's not going to be that way in the SEC. They can't go to the SEC and start throwing their weight around, but they'd like to have a friend in the boardroom, and um, you know you can't count on Missouri and Arkansas and A and M for uh, for uh, old connections. So, uh, and there's power in number, and, and ge- geographically it makes sense. They wanted to keep the rivalry alive. You know, every time there's a conference split, it seems some somebody gets hurt. Somebody doesn't want to play. Texas and Texas A&M haven't played in a decade. Uh, Kansas and Missouri quit playing. We've seen Pitt, West Virginia. We've seen all kinds of really good rivalries just go away. And nobody wanted to see that happen with OU Texas. Oklahoma, Nebraska comes to mind. OU Nebraska is a great one. Great example. Yeah, one I grew up on. I thought that was a fantastic rivalry there. I call it the Plain States. You know, I'm from Michigan. We call that the Midwest. It's geographically confusing, but so is the SEC for that matter. We've got Missouri in the East Division and Auburn in the West. Barry, for those who don't have a deeper history of the Big 12 or of the Southwest Conference, I think it's important to note and, and, and allow you to share and enlighten us of just how powerful and persuasive Texas and Oklahoma have been to the point of once getting a larger share of conference money than other teams in that league. Well, yeah, I mean, going back to uh, the the formation of the Big 12, the uh, the revenue distribution was not equitable. It's a, uh, you know, if, if you go by market value, um, you can sort of understand that. Oklahoma, Nebraska, A&M, and Texas were the big draws in the Big 12. And, um, you know, they, uh, they agreed to join, form that league with some, you know, unequitable uh, television money. The problem with that is over time, that really seeds uh, some discontent within the league. It becomes a toxic, toxic environment. Uh, some bad things happen. The Longhorn Network formation 10 years ago um, was maybe the uh, final straw that led to the uh, to Nebraska, to Colorado, Missouri, and Nebraska and A and M leaving. So it's it's no way to run a conference. Uh, everybody knows Alabama uh, is uh, you know worth a hundred times more than Vanderbilt to the SEC bottom line. Everybody knows Oklahoma is worth you know, far more than Iowa State to the Big 12's bottom line. But if you're going to be in a conference, you got to have some, you got to have some uh, equality, uh, and uh, otherwise it's going to be a mess. So the Big 12 eventually got that when, when we got down to 10 schools in the Big 12. They did settle that. Uh, everybody got the same revenues. In the, fa- in the past few days, you know, the remaining eight Big, uh, big, ten, uh, big 12 schools have said, hey, we'll give you part of our money. But it's too late for that. It's not, you know, even if the money became equal with the SEC, that's no way to run a conference. That's just going to lead to more trouble. So, um, you know, the the Sooners in the in the Big Eight days used to argue for uh, for a bigger share and uh, got what they wanted. Eventually, Texas uh, same boat, and it really it's not a good it's not a good look. It's not a good system and. Uh, it's going to be a, a much more, I think, uh, 
much more equitable, much more uh, brotherhood type situation uh, when when people are getting paid the same. Yeah, I think, Barry, you told me yesterday that the Big 12 shares with their current contract, approximately 39 million per team. We're looking at estimates of 60 million, perhaps even more. So we're talking about a $21 million annual raise for these Big 12 schools. Of course, the SEC schools, uh, approximately $45 million each. If you're wondering why they would vote in Texas and Oklahoma, it's money. It's another $15 million on top of it. Now, Barry, you also brought up the Longhorn Network. So forgive me uh, for not having the background on this, but was Texas, in addition to that $30 million, $39 million, were they gaining even more revenue on top of that from the Longhorn Network? And if so, what was the what are the approximate numbers? And will the Longhorn Network continue on? I'm probably asking you questions we, we may not know the answers to at this point. Yeah, well, well I mean, what happened was about 2006, 05, 06, 07, in that, in that era, Big 12 Commissioner Kevin Weiberg wanted to establish a Big 12 network. Very similar to what we see with the SEC, what we see with the uh, with the Big Ten. Uh, that was Weiberg's that was Weiberg's uh, dream, and he needed nine votes to uh, to uh, get it established. He could only get eight. Nebraska, A and M, Texas, Oklahoma would not support a network. What they thought was their third tier rights. The the uh, the games usually one football game per year, sorted basketball games, all the other sports. Uh, they they thought they could make more money keeping those in university control, and so they thwarted the uh, the Big Twelve network. Kevin Weiberg resigned, went to the Big Ten, eventually to the Pac twelve, and uh, lo and behold, ESPN came along and gave Texas. $200 million uh, guarantee for a 20, uh, it's a 20 year contract with the Longhorn Network. And that's money. That's just Texas's money. And uh, it's really become a boondoggle. It's a financial disaster for ESPN. It's not been all that beneficial for Texas since they got the Longhorn Network. It has not helped their recruiting. They've had uh, a uh, limited success in football. It's just it, it, it sent A and M out of the conference. It uh, it helped send uh, Nebraska out. It was just it's just a boondoggle. And uh, now it's on its you know it's just sort of playing out the the uh, the uh, string. What I don't know what's going to happen with the Longhorn Network, but we believe it'll just be folded in to the SEC network. Um, the the money is going to be. Clearly, the SEC is not going to allow a, a Longhorn Network to exist. I think it'll be just folded into an SEC network, maybe keep the same channel and make it, you know, there's so much content now with so many schools and so much good competition. You probably need two channels uh, going full time to keep up with everything. Maybe just make it the, you know, SEC two. Uh, so um, <laughs> it's it's going it, to, the Longhorn Network, uh, we call it Bevo TV on the north side of the Red River. It's going to die an untimely death, uh, but Texas is going to come out ahead financially, so the Longhorns are happy. Barry Trammell, outstanding guest tonight from the Oklahoma. And Barry, I, I've got to ask you this. You sit there in the Oklahoma chair, and I've got to believe this robbery is as bitter and lively as Alabama-Auburn or Georgia-Florida, so uh, don't hold back on me here. I, I look at the numbers, 
and the pre-COVID numbers that the USA puts out for athletic budgets. And I'm well aware that these ADs freak out and tell you that those numbers don't reflect everything. We've got this project and that project, and actually we're not that rich. Listen, Texas is that rich, and there is some oil grant money that goes to A&M and Texas, and they're one and two in athletic budget. I believe the number for Texas was $223 million. I look at Austin, and I was very surprised, again, my naivety here in the southeast to realize – Austin is bigger than Nashville. Austin has a bigger metropolitan market than Nashville. In fact, the state of Texas has four of the top 30 major metropolitan network, uh, areas in the nation. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, if Austin is number 29, bigger than the biggest SEC, immediate SEC city, Nashville, and they've got $223 million annually, and they have all these recruits in the state. And from what I understand, even though AM tries harder – uh, our, our mutual friend Steve Richardson in Dallas tells me that every city's a Texas city for the most part, obviously not College Station, but how in the world, how in the name of Jim Harbaugh can this program not achieve at a greater level? And Georgia fans are probably sitting back going, wait a minute, Mike, they beat Georgia. I was talking to Barry yesterday. He said that was the high watermark. That was the only 10 win season in the last 11 years. And then Barry shared this tremendous statistic with me. Texas only six, Barry, in the Big 12 over the last 10 years in conference play? Can that be – is that right? Is it sixth? People don't really believe it. They don't really understand it. But if you go back to 2009, that's the year Texas played Alabama in the national title game. Colt McCoy was the quarterback. He got hurt early. Alabama swamped the Longhorns. Since that night – I think that was in Pasadena – since that night – that's, we've played 11 seasons in the Big 12. Those That has been the 10-team era in the Big 12. Texas ranks sixth in Big 12 standings behind Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, and Baylor. So this is not, this is not the golden age of Longhorn football. Texas is coming into the SEC really needing to, uh, to increase its, uh, its prowess because – they, you know, these guys down in Austin, they've been having trouble beating TCU. They've been having trouble beating West Virginia. They've have been having trouble beating Baylor. And now the schedule is about to get a lot tougher. So um, it's not it's not great times uh, for Longhorn football. The rest of the conference, or the rest of the athletic department in, in UT is great. You know, they won the Learfield Cup, which goes to uh, to the most outstanding uh, athletic uh, program in any particular uh, school year, Texas won the won the dang thing here in the last month or two. So they've got an outstanding outstanding athletic department, but the football most definitely is down. We're talking with Barry Trammell, obviously a, a man of great wisdom and background. And as this Texas Oklahoma transition continues, you absolutely have to follow him on Twitter. He's at Barry. B-E-R-R-Y, Trammell, T-R-A-M-E-L. That's at Barry Trammell, B-E-R-R-Y, T-R-A-M-E-L. Barry probably thinks I sound like a carnival barker promoting him, but truly, Barry, you're a great resource, and, and I absolutely want to get all the information and knowledge out of you possible. There's no one that knows Big 12 football, certainly not Oklahoma like you do, sir. Uh, is Oklahoma – taking a chance here. I mentioned, I referenced earlier that I felt they had a bit of a free press. That's probably a bit of an exaggeration. Baylor has risen up, risen up. TCU certainly had teeth at times. 
Texas for all of our piling on uh, has been good. Uh, this, it's not like the Sooners haven't won some key games during the regular season. They have. Uh, they dominated Florida team, albeit some opt-outs, but you, Oklahoma players had the same opportunity and didn't. But is Oklahoma at risk here? I think about Nebraska and their move to the Big Ten, and I realize that's a different time and a different program, and Nebraska had already fallen off some. They weren't coming out of you know national championship contention. They were 10 years removed from the great Tom Osborne, yet and still – Nebraska hasn't been ranked since their second year in the Big Ten, 2012. If you'd have told me that was possible, I would have never believed you. Is there a chance that Oklahoma could fall off with this move? Oh, there's a chance. Um, I don't think they will for a couple of reasons. One, if you look at conference realignments history, most programs have gone into a new conference if they go from major conference to major conference, and been about the same kind of program they were uh, in, in their previous home. Missouri clearly was, you know, Missouri was solid in the, uh, in the first decade of this century in the Big 12, uh, made two uh, Big 12 title games in the weaker North Division. They go to the SEC and they win the East. I think it was two of the first three years or two of the first four years in the, in the SEC East. We seem to, we don't remember that much these days, but that happened. Uh, a and M, uh, you know, they're always a good program, uh, but they didn't win. Uh, their only Big Twelve title was in 1998. That was 12 years before uh, they made the uh, the jump to 13 years before they made the jump to the uh, to the SEC. And uh, you know, they were always good, but never really great. And that's sort of what they've been in the uh, in the SEC. They had a the great year in 2020, but uh, you, you look at uh, uh, Nebraska, Nebraska, they uh, their last Big 12 title was 1999. Their last 11 seasons in the Big 12, they were just sort of so-so. Had a couple of down years, won a couple of uh, of North Division titles, and and got uh, got beat in the Big 12 title game. They won the the Big Ten. I can't remember if it's the Big Ten West or one of those Legends Leaders nonsense when the Big 12 when the Big Ten couldn't figure things out. But most teams sort of are what they are, and uh, this can't do anything except help Oklahoma recruiting. So the one the the one thing that makes it a much more palatable for Oklahoma is this: if we go to that twelve team playoff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, as you mentioned, the Sooners were they weren't guaranteed a spot in the fourteen playoff every year, but they were in great shape to get there most years because if you win the Big Twelve or win any of the Power Five, you're at least in the discussion. Um, and, and Oklahoma made four of the last six. I think, uh, you know, they, they, they were pretty confident they could continue doing that in the Big 12. You go to the SEC, and if there's a four-team playoff, you're not going to be in four of six. You might make two of six or one of six or whatever the case may be. All of a sudden, though, we got a 12-team playoff. I mean, the Sooners are pretty confident they can be in that 12-team playoff every year or, or close to it, same as Georgia, LSU, you know, some really good Georgia and LSU teams. Florida as well have not been in the uh, in the playoff. Didn't Alabama took up a spot and uh, it got crowded quick? You go to twelve, it's a lot more a lot more seats at the table, and I think that made it a lot easier for OU to make this to make this decision. Joe Castiglione is the athletic director at Oklahoma. Uh, much to the chagrin of Georgia fans, as I said, this man is a very effective leader. Uh, I know he piped up when a game time was announced at noon. He didn't like it. Uh, that's what he's supposed to do. 
that's his school that he represents. I like ADs that throw their weight around. And this man is certainly good at it. Uh, I think he's one of the best ADs in the country. Uh, Barry, are we headed for the Super Conference world as we look at where the remainder of these Big 12 teams go? And there's eight of them. And, and for those that didn't get the uh, the news today, it was, it was a very routine turn of the wheel with Texas and Oklahoma letting the Big 12 know they did not uh, plan to fulfill their media rights grant contract through 2025. Uh, immediately, there's speculation that these two schools may take the 75 to $80 million penalty and exit the league uh, quickly. Uh, the fastest that could happen per contract, per bylaw, I believe, is 18 months. Although I did see a report, someone was suggesting 2022. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's possible, Barry. But, but the, next, the next question I wonder is, uh, does the ACC pick up a couple teams? Do we do we get into this four conference, sixteen team league? Is that the cleanest way to go? Could it be that simple? Well, it could be, but I doubt it is. I don't think that's what we'll end up with. the The impetus to go to four sixteen team leagues that we had ten years ago is not there today. Ten years ago, a decade ago, everyone thought that was sort of the pathway to a four team playoff, uh, and now we got we got the fourteen playoff without the uh, without the sixteen team conferences. So now, if you're the Big Ten or the ACC or the Pac-12, you look there and you say, "Why do I need to get? Tell me again, why do I need to get to sixteen? And the answer is, it's not all that clear. Now, the Pac has not been great in terms of marketing, in terms of success. It seems to need need a jolt. It really does. Uh, can anybody in the Big in the Big Twelve provide that? Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, whoever, uh, maybe, but it's not apparent. Can uh, what what the ACC is in no hurry to get to sixteen because uh, they're always going to leave a spot open for Notre Dame. They're not going to go to sixteen and then take a phone call that says, "Hey, we Notre Dame uh, wants in." So I, I'm not sure the I'm not sure the wheels are turning in that direction. It could happen. The Big Ten, I think, is probably the most likely because I think they like to keep up with the SEC. But there's no great automatic fits. Um, Kansas, Iowa State are members of the AAU, the Association of American Universities. That's sort of a, a Big Ten prerequisite. But, uh, you know, those uh, – I, I was going to say those don't really fit the Big Ten profile. But, heck, we're talking about a league that added uh, Maryland and Rutgers – so I don't know why you wouldn't hire Iowa State and Kansas. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily – It's it could happen. I don't necessarily think it, it's an automatic. You know, I was actually covering the Big Ten when they added Maryland and Rutgers, and my reaction, Barry, was the same as yours. I actually felt like West Virginia set the uh, profile much better for the Southeastern Conference – or excuse me, uh, I'm, not, I'm referring back to Missouri joining. I was upset uh, West Virginia didn't get in. I was very confused, though, by Maryland and Rutgers' addition until I learned that they added another 33% more of television market, and that was what was, what was behind Jim Delaney's uh, genius on that move. I looked at this move, and, and I was skeptical on the front end. I was actually with Mark Richt in Charlotte when this first came out, and Mark Richt uh, felt like maybe this was just Texas and Oklahoma leveraging the Big 12 to get those offers that you said they actually did get. The other schools were willing to pony up more money to keep these schools and, and go back to an inequitable uh, system of distribution for league money. 
but no, this this seems very real to me. And as even as I have experienced somewhat of a lukewarm reaction from fans to this, and don't get me wrong, I think everyone recognizes and appreciates Oklahoma and Texas football tradition and uh, the color and the pageantry that goes along with those games. I think a lot of folks felt like the SEC was just doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, but if you sit back and think about it, and we recognize that Oklahoma and Texas won out, if the SEC doesn't take them, maybe somebody else does. And if somebody else does, then maybe somebody else becomes a more valuable conference. I know there's been talk of flirtations before, uh, and I guess I would ask you to address that. I'd, I'd heard talk of Texas to the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12. W- were these very real things even then? Do you think Texas has been putting the feelers out for a while? Well, I, I mean, I think they've always had a, had an eye towards some sort of change. Now, uh, 10 years ago or 11 years ago, uh, the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time with an expansion of Big 12 schools, uh, schools was very real. In the end, Texas pulled out. They did not want to jeopardize the Longhorn Network. You know, Oklahoma didn't want to go without Texas. The Pac-12 didn't really want Oklahoma by itself, or or just with Oklahoma State. So we got a uh, we got a case of um, you know, some dalliance, some dancing, but no real no real serious stuff. I do think the Big Ten would have uh, looked really hard at Texas and Oklahoma. If, if those schools had reached out to the Big Ten. Uh, Oklahoma is not an AAU member. Texas is. Uh, OU and Texas would provide the Big Ten with something they've really never had, which is schools that would love to play at night in November. You know, the Big Ten has, you know, they will play November night games, but they only do it under duress. They don't want to, you know, it's so dang cold up there. But the, tr- <laughs> the truth is, Oklahoma and Texas is where they recruit. They recruit in Texas. They recruit in uh, Louisiana. They recruit uh, more, much more southern than they do northern, uh, much more southwest than they do uh, anything midwest. So um, it's just a better fit. The SEC is a much better fit. It's contiguous geographically. Uh, there's a lot of uh, old ties. You know, Texas going to be joining a conference in which uh, it was a. Uh, it, it had three former schools uh, were members of the same conference: Arkansas, Missouri, A and M, Oklahoma, uh, joining the conference. Missouri and A and M have been in their conference. Oklahoma, and Missouri, been in a conference together starting in 1920. So they go back forever. Uh, it fits geographically. I don't know how we'll split this conference up, but whatever they do, there's all kinds of solutions to to make it work ge- geographically. So. The SEC just made more sense. Does it hurt any of the SEC schools? I suppose when I look at Texas A&M, I think that one of the advantages that A&M had in recruiting is being able to sell that, hey, we're an SEC school, Texas isn't. I I agree with you. It absolutely helps Oklahoma in recruiting, certainly helps Texas. But if we look at the SEC landscape, do you think, you mentioned contiguous, does it hurt A&M? Does it hurt Arkansas, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, didn't seem to be too bothered. I don't know if he knows uh, well enough whether he should be or not. But who, who do you see this hurting as a result uh, in terms of recruiting with Oklahoma, Texas edition? Well, I, I think it, it it clearly is bothersome to A&M. Now, in Texas, there's enough great football players that there's plenty to go around. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Texas A&M uh, going to the SEC sort of opened the floodgates to the infidels of the NC of the SEC, so 
Um, so it both helped and hurt A&M to some degree, but clearly helped them more. Uh, so it, it could potentially hurt. Uh, there, are, there are recruits. They all seem to be defensive linemen who really want to play in the SEC. Um, uh, now Oklahoma and Texas can, can sell that to those kids that feel that way. Um, I think it potentially could help, I'm sorry, hurt LSU some because, you know, Texas and uh, Oklahoma, uh, they've gone to Louisiana some. They can go, you know, with a bigger presence now. Uh, but I doubt it. I doubt it. It really stings the, the Tigers very much. Um, and you know what? It, it really, uh, there'll be, you're, you're talking about more prestigious programs chasing one title, um, the SEC championship. But, you know, it, that, that's just the way competition goes, and, and a rising tide lifts all boats. So I, th- I think uh, it's not going to hurt Alabama's program. It's not going to hurt Georgia's program. It's not going to hurt Florida's program. You get a conference this tough, and, you know, everybody's going to have a little bit more losses. You know, everybody can't win, but the prestige of the conference will make, you know, it will be such that a 10-2 and two season will feel like an 11-1 season used to. An 11-1 season will feel like a 12-0 season used to. So, uh, you know, everybody says we're, we're going more and more to an NFL-type uh, model. Uh, well, in the NFL, nobody goes into the season thinking, we're going to go 16-0. We're going to go 15-1. You, you just try to win your division and, and, and see where you are at the end. And that's what the SEC is apparently moving closer towards. Well, you're right, Barry, but the Georgia fans, they, they want that one perfect season before all this hits. You know, they, it's been 1980, and, and they hear it all the time, and certainly uh, second and 26, had a game one in 2017. Uh, off the heels of the Oklahoma game, I still rail about that college football setup. I said, how in the world does Alabama not only get in after a double-digit loss to Auburn and no appearance in their conference championship game, but essentially it's a bye. They don't have to play a conference championship. They get a short trip down to New Orleans to play a really bad Clemson team. And Georgia goes out there and plays an Oklahoma team that, quite frankly, I think is as good as any I've seen. But you are the Oklahoma expert. Uh, Where does that game rank among the best you've seen? And how good was that Oklahoma team compared to others that you've seen in the college football playoffs of late? Well, that clearly was Oklahoma's best team uh, of the decade uh, of the uh, of the uh, oh. Well, I mean, since since Lincoln Riley arrived as offensive coordinator in 15 and rejuvenated the offense, took over as head coach, that was a loaded Oklahoma team, and that was that was better, much better than the 15 team that lost to Clemson in the in the Orange Bowl playoff, uh, much better than the uh, 18 team that lost to Alabama in the Orange Bowl semifinal, and then much better than the than the 19 team that lost to LSU in a rout in the Peach Bowl. Uh, NFL players all over. You know, that was a game that could have gone either way. Um, you know, you talk about Georgia's, Georgia's going the 40 years since 1980, Herschel Walker. Uh, the Sooners have now gone 21 years without a national title, that 2000 team. So uh, this was – 17 was their best chance. They played even with Georgia, two overtimes. Georgia goes to overtime with Alabama. Those three teams were really sort of toss-ups. Uh, the other years – the Sooners have been uh, a notch or two below the SEC's best. In 17, they were as good as anybody. Uh, they just they just didn't get it done. You know, I always think, you know, Georgia opened the first overtime with uh, a field goal. 
and Oklahoma got the ball and faced fourth and one. Uh, I think it was six yard line. I could be wrong. Um, I always thought I'd go for it here. I mean, you got a chance make one yard and you're going to beat Georgia. If they stop you, they stop you. But uh, I'm not sure, you know, Georgia had dominated the second half. Oh, you dominated the first half. Georgia dominated the second half. You got a chance to knock off the Bulldogs with, uh, with one yard and you don't do it. Lincoln kick the field goal, go to overtime. Second overtime, Georgia wins it. And, um, you know, OU's best chance in really uh, 20 years uh, for, for national title was over. So, uh, but that was, that was clearly Oklahoma's better, best team. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get the talent level of that 17 team back. The defense is much better now than it was. You know, 18's defense was terrible. 19 was not much better. But in 20, they made big improvements, and 21 looks good too. So, you know, we'll see how they do when they get to the SEC. Um, I think, uh, you know, they've, they've done well. Oklahoma's done well when they played SEC teams outside of the playoff um, in the regular season and in the, uh, in the bowl games that aren't part of the playoff. So uh, they'll get a steady diet of the SEC, and uh, we'll see how they do. Talking with celebrated Oklahoma columnist Barry Trammell. Barry, drilling down deep, uh, even deeper onto the Sooners. Lincoln Riley, a guy we, we hear his name quite a bit. Heard him attached to rumors with the Cowboys. He's still there in Oklahoma. Is, is this a young guy that you believe will, will be at Oklahoma in five, ten years, or is he uh, one of these young guys that will probably head to the greener pastures and, and maybe deeper job security uh, of an NFL uh, offensive coordinator job or perhaps even as a head coach? I, you know, he, he would never leave for a coordinator's job. Uh, um, you know, he's had offense. Um, he's had head coaching opportunities in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, he's turned them down. The Eagles uh, definitely wanted him. Uh, the Cowboys talked to him. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, there's, co- there's been uh, a lot of opportunities there. Um, he stayed at Oklahoma. SEC people know this as well as I do. Uh, the college head coach uh, has a much uh, better job security uh, than a pro head coach, and the pay is just as good, if not better. Uh, the chance to win is better. Um, there's a lot to like if you're at one of the elite jobs in college football. The only thing that really gets a guy away, it took Nick Saban away from LSU. Um, it could someday take uh, Lincoln Riley away from Oklahoma is, you know, just – Get on the highest level and see how you do. Just, you know, sort of a, a, a personal challenge. Um, but I think uh, I've always thought Lincoln was probably not long for Oklahoma in terms of 15 or 20 years. Um, but when you look at uh, this move to the SEC, this is the next best thing to go into the NFL. It's going to the top co- conference in college football and an incredible collection of, of talented programs. So to me, this probably extends the runway for Lincoln Riley. Now, if he comes to the SEC and uh, does one of two things, either struggles mightily, I could see him, you know, maybe taking a flyer on an NFL job, or if he has tremendous success, um, then I could see him say, you know what, I've I've done it all on the college level. Let's go try the NFL. So, uh, but I think that's down the road. So I think uh, this is coming up on 17. You know, this will be Lincoln's fifth season as head coach. So you know, I, I think he'll become a, I think he'll become a double-digit a year uh, coach at Oklahoma. And after he's been here another five years, four or so in the SEC, 
you know, maybe uh, reassess his career. Barry, I got to ask you this before I let you go. I know you talked about Lincoln Riley not thinking 15 or 20. It's been 30 years for you at the Oklahoma, uh, and I believe 43 uh, covering Oklahoma since you were in Norman. When, when you started your career uh, in Norman and then you made the move to the Oklahoma, did you know this was going to be a destination job for you in your career? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got no reason to get too personal, but I got an incredible family extended family. Uh, nobody lives farther than 15 miles away. So we're really tight. I thought I might uh, have to leave at some point. Um, but, uh, I was blessed and didn't have to. Then I thought I might want to work in a pro market, but I thought I'd have to leave. Instead, the pro market came to me. We got the NBA, the thunder has been great, had a great 10 year run. So, I mean, I've had, I've had a glorious career. So, um, and, and certainly, uh, covering the Sooners is part of that. The very first game I ever covered was night. I was 18 years old, uh, Oklahoma, Iowa, 1979. It was uh, Hayden Fry's first game as the Hawkeye head coach. Uh, Billy Sims was a returning Heisman Trophy winner, and Iowa trotted out a, a redshirt freshman safety uh, trying to tackle Billy Sims. His name was Bob Stoops. And, you know, and then uh, 20, uh, 20 years later, he's the, the Oklahoma coach, and I covered Bob for 16 years. So it's been a, it's been a great ride, and Oklahoma football has been fun, and uh, it's taken me a lot of places. I've been to uh, – uh, and some of this was Oklahoma State got me there too. I've been to Georgia. I've been to Tennessee. Uh, I've been to Alabama. Um, I think that's the three. And, uh, and, of course, Missouri and Texas A&M. But uh, looking forward to going to LSU, looking forward to going to Florida, looking forward to going to Auburn. Uh, listen, I, I was in South Carolina for a basketball regional two years ago and thought, hey, williams Bryce looks like a pretty cool football venue too. So I'm looking forward to hitting all of the SEC venues. Well, and the SEC will be looking forward to reading you, Barry. I want to thank you for your time tonight, uh, your knowledge, and certainly your contributions to our profession. As I said, you're a guy I've uh, respected and looked up to for a long time. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Eagles on the Beach Show. You bet, Mike. Glad to do it. You bet. Barry Trammell, outstanding guest tonight, folks. Uh, I knew Barry would hit it out of the park. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that when it comes to knowing Oklahoma, Big 12 history. I thought Barry uh, really provided some deep insight uh, some sharp opinions, um, very straightforward talk. Um, again, one of the best in our provision. I'll tell you, uh, Ingalls has been one of the best when it comes to staying with us, supporting us, providing for us uh, throughout this uh, incredibly difficult and challenging time. I, it, there's still some challenges out there, and Ingalls is still there to serve us. I want to take this moment and recognize our sponsor, Ingalls. It's in our hearts to feel for you There's been ups and downs, turnarounds Good days and some bad But we stand together for worse and for better We'll always have your back Open arms, heart to heart, hand in hand Community Welcome back. I want to thank all of you for joining me tonight. Uh, you know, the Eagles on the Beach show every Monday is it's fun. It's fun for me. And I know when I started it and I was bringing guests on and we were talking about things other than Georgia, there were some folks that weren't too sure if they liked that. But I try to tie it in. I think there's a perspective 
and a value for the Georgia fan to hear from people from other places that have other ideas and concepts. I thought it was fascinating to hear Barry say that the 2017 team was Oklahoma's best. Georgia beat Oklahoma's best team in 2017. And, and for all the anxiety and apprehension about letting that game slip away to Alabama, you have to remember there's an entire Sooner Nation out there that's yet to win a playoff game and looks back at that Georgia game and second guesses their coach for not going for it on a fourth and one. As many people as want to second guess Coach Smarter. There's even Alabama fans that have second guessed Nick Saban. So bringing a guy like Barry Trammell on here tonight to give us that perspective on really some groundbreaking news and happenings. Um, again, a little different, perhaps uh, not something you're going to see on a lot of Georgia stations, but I do try to bring it to you on Monday nights. I also want to make sure that you're aware and have seen or watched um, you know, the, the K&M Squared show, right? Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. That show we do every Sunday night right here at 8 o'clock. And you can go on our Dog Nation YouTube channel and see it, or you can go on our Facebook page. And Kenny and Kendall do a great job with that. We've had a lot of fun working with these young guys. It's an opportunity to give them some exposure. Uh, they get a little bit of experience in front of the camera. Their parents really like it a lot. Last night's episode, Chris Milton and Richard McIntosh kind of crashed the program and surprised the boys, and we had a lot of fun with that. So if you haven't seen the K&M Squared show, I think you'll like it. It's something a little different. Connor Riley uh, has worked on that with me. He does the production, and uh, we're, we're dreaming up what this week's show is going to look like. we got four more episodes of it, and we're pretty excited. Of course, you know that Connor does a show every Tuesday night. Uh, Jeff Santel does – uh, between the Hedges, Before the Hedges on Wednesday night. And, of course, Brandon Adams with Dog Nation Daily um, each day at 10 o'clock. A special treat this week, a little bit different programming, uh, on 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. Now, some of you are going to flip out and say, I can't believe you're doing this, Mike. But on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, Florida coach Steve Spurrier and Florida coach Danny Werfel will be holding a press conference. There's a new ward called the Spurrier Award. And uh, I started this award. Uh, it goes to the best first-year coach. This award started in 2002. And Steve Spurrier actually won this award his first year at South Carolina. Uh, and now we're going to name that award after the old ball coach. And uh, I talked with Mark Richt about him. Mark Richt said he loved competing with Steve Spurrier, at, uh, certainly at uh, South Carolina. Talked with Philip Fulmer about him. Talked with Gene Stallings. And love him or hate him, Steve Spurrier uh, was certainly a historic figure that helped put the SEC on the map in the 1990s. So that's something a little different. That'll be on our SEC Country page at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. So a lot of programming this week here at Dog Nation. We're going to do everything we can uh, to help keep up with all the news, all the perspectives. And, and again, we do it for you. You know, the, the viewers, you know, you guys come bring it strong. I appreciate the comments. If you have any questions, uh, pop them in here and uh, I'll get to them. I promise you. And, uh, and follow Barry Trammell on Twitter, B-E-R-R-Y-T-R-A-M-E-L. Let him know that Georgia fans are going to keep up with what's going on with Oklahoma. He is the guy to read. I can promise you that. So I want to thank everyone uh, for tonight. Barry, thank you for joining me on behalf of Barry Trammell, uh, my producer, Michael Carvel. Uh, as always, with a wonderful job, we don't say that enough, but it takes someone behind the scenes. Michael will also be juggling. Uh, Lord only knows how many people at a press conference on Wednesday. But uh, Michael, a very talented producer and, 
And uh, the reason that I'm covering Georgia, we'll save that story uh, for another night. Everyone have a wonderful and safe week. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you guys later.